Thanks for listening to the Wellspring Church Podcast. Hey, man, have a seat. Well, good morning. Glad you're here. If you're a guest uh, today, my name's Trey Kelly. I'm the lead pastor. <laughs> I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, hey, honored you're with us. We are in the middle of a series that we're calling Under Pressure. And in this series, we're trying to learn how to thrive in trials. Um, but ultimately, as, as I shared week one, what we're really trying to learn is, is how to thrive in a world that we're not created for. Um, you may know this, God of the universe created us to have a perfect relationship with him, to live in that perfection. Um, sin broke that relationship. He sent his son to repair that relationship. And that perfect connection waits for those of us that place our faith in his son in eternity. And what this series is about is how to thrive now, how to thrive in a world that we weren't really created for. And so if today's your very first time here, man, we are, we're honored you're with us. Uh, thanks for being a part. Uh, this is week three of this series. And a lot of our series build on each other, but really this series has really built um, on each other from week to week. Don't worry, I'm going to try to catch you up. But uh, if after today you have some questions and you want to kind of know where we've been, you can grab our app. It's a great way to stay connected with us, but also we put all our content there. And so this is week three. And so after today, if you want to go back and see how we got here in weeks one and two, um, and I'd love for you to do that because it's going it's to really help you better understand God's plan in all of this. Because... We've really wrapped this entire series around a pretty simple yet fundamental foundational truth for those of us that consider ourselves Christians. And this is the truth, that God is good. And the reason we've focused on this for the last two weeks is because the key to thriving in trials is to understand that God is good. And so if today's your first day and you're wondering, you're like, man, how do people know if God is good, I'd encourage you to go back and watch last week because that was the entire point of the sermon. I mean, what we learned is the way we know God is good is to experience his goodness. He invites us to taste and see that he's good. And last week we talked about all these different ways that we could try God, we can begin to experience God, uh, and he'll reveal his goodness to us. And so uh, if that's still a question in your heart, totally understand it, you're in a safe place to ask that question. Um, and I'd encourage you to go back and look at next week, because for the series' purpose, we're moving forward assuming this is true. Uh, we're moving forward assuming that we believe and we know, we've experienced and we've tasted and seen that God is good in our lives. Uh, because that's really the key to thriving in tough moments, in, in pain, in struggle, in trials. Because if, if we can build our lives on the foundation that God is good, and we can rest in that truth, a couple of things become available to us. Uh, we can have perspective in our pain. This is really what we've been talking about for the past two weeks, and I'm going I'm to catch you up in just a moment as to why we believe that. But not only can we have perspective, we can find a path in our pain, and we can even find purpose in our pain. Those second two, path and purpose, is where we're kind of going to pick up today. I'm going to just to catch you up, just to remind you why we believe this is true. Uh, we're turning to a letter written by a guy that I'm fascinated by. His name's James. And James had the amazing privilege of growing up as Jesus's little brother. 
And I just cannot imagine what that must have been like. Uh, but he did, and, and he ends up placing his faith in his big brother. Uh, he ends up becoming the leader of the first church in Jerusalem, uh, the church built around his big brother. And something begins to happen to that church in Jerusalem. Uh, the religious leaders of the day don't like Christians, and so they begin to influence the government to begin to, to attack Christians and to persecute Christians. And so this begins to happen around the area. And so many of the Christians in Jerusalem begin to spread out. They begin to scatter uh, so that they won't be as persecuted. And at some point, the Holy Spirit leads James, who had been the leader of this church, to write a letter to all his brothers and sisters who have been spread out. And so we believe this letter was written and then was passed around to different communities of faith. Um, and we believe as Christians that the Holy Spirit led James to write this letter. And so 2,000 years later, we get to read this letter, and it's like God speaking directly to us. And what James says addresses their situation and our situation. And if you've been here, we've been looking at really three verses uh, for the last two weeks, and we're going to look at them again today. Because here's what James gives us. Uh, here's how James gives us perspective in our pain. He says, hey, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, he says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, again, we, we, we talked about this uh, week one. James isn't saying when bad things happen, you have to be happy about it. It's not what he said. In fact, we're going to talk later today. We, the, the key to this whole thing is tapping into the full range of human emotions. Like we, we have to feel those emotions. But what James is giving us is perspective in our pain. He's saying, hey, even when there's difficult times, when there's struggles, when, the, when, when, when things don't go your way, yes, that, that, that's not fun, that's not good, but you can consider it an opportunity for great joy because you can look through the circumstance, you can look through the pain to see, hey, well, God's good, and so I know God is at work for good. And that's kind of where you've left it for two weeks. God's good. God's at work for good, and so we can believe that he's good. We've talked about that perspective in pain. We've kind of addressed the purpose, right? God's good, so he's going to do good. But I'm curious how many of you, and don't raise your hand, but, but have been wondering for two weeks, okay, but when do we get to the how part? Because I'm in a trial right now. I'm in pain right now, personally, at work, in my family, in my neighborhood. I'm in pain. I'm in a trial right now. And it's great to have a perspective. But I want it to stop. I'm done with this. I just want it to be over. I just want it to be better. I just want to make it go away. So I'm not super interested in a path. I'm not super interested in a purpose. I just want this good God to make it stop. You ever felt that way? Do you feel that way? And boy, did you pick a perfect Sunday <laughs> to be here. You know who else felt that way? You're not going to guess. Our Savior, the Son of God. 
And you're saying, when? When, Trey? When did Jesus feel that way? On the night he was arrested. So we talk about that night a lot. Uh, it was a Thursday evening. You know, he has dinner with his disciples. We call it the Last Supper. He gives him this great picture of celebrating him through the Lord's Supper. He gives the great commandment. Um, he's then arrested where he's handed over to the Roman government. He's, con- he's, he's convicted. He's executed. Sunday morning, he comes back to life. But there's a part of that story we don't talk about a lot. Maybe you've seen it depicted in movies, but we kind of depict it in a weird way. Um, and it's this moment after the dinner, before Jesus is arrested, where we're told that Jesus prayed. And if you grew up in church, maybe you know this. Jesus prays and says, hey, Dad, if there's any way we can avoid this, I sure would like that. I sure would like it if you could take this cup away from me. And I know growing up in church, I heard that story, and I've seen it depicted, but, but I feel like in our brains, we're, 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 we feel like it's this depiction of this strong man who's just kind of going through the motions saying, Father, I don't want to do this, but I trust you. And you know, we kind of get this idea of Jesus as a superman. But see, we have this story recorded for us twice, one by Matthew, who was there, and one by Luke, who was a physician who interviewed the eyewitnesses who were there. Make no mistake, Jesus did not want to do what he had to do. He went through a trial. And I believe he had the perspective. But the path in front of him, he wasn't sure about. And as we see in the text, he even sort of kind of questions the purpose. Just for a moment. The text tells us that he was filled with anguish. That he was overwhelmed to the point of death. He felt like his soul was being crushed. Don't raise your hand, but you ever felt that way? You feel that way right now? The trials just keep coming. The pain keeps coming. And boy, you have that perspective. But the path, the purpose, that's how Jesus felt. He even told his friends. He said, I'm overwhelmed. I need you guys to help me. I need you to pray for me. He went to his dad and he said, Dad, do I really have to do this? Not once, not twice. Three times. Because he doesn't like the path in front of him. He's not pumped about the purpose. But he ends each prayer. Many of you know this. Not my will, but yours be done. And after the third time, he walks towards the path. He fulfills the purpose and changes the world. But not before he wrestled with the path. I'll point all that out because I am convinced his little brother James was thinking about his big brother when he writes this encouragement to us. 
and he was thinking about this moment. And he says, hey, guys, when you're in the middle of trials, when you're in the middle of storms, when you're in the middle of pain, you can consider it an opportunity for great joy because you know God's up to something. That's what he says next. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, then your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, James given us the perspective. Here he gives us the path and the purpose. We'll start with the purpose. What's he saying the purpose in our pain is? He's saying God uses it to grow us. And we understand this in every other area of life. You understand this. We grow from resistance. Do you know how badly I wish your muscles would grow without having to lift heavy weights? I have tried. I have prayed. I have begged for miracles. Never happened. We grow from resistance. We grow from pushing through. And the reason James says, hey, consider it an opportunity for great joy is because he says through the testing, God's going to grow you. And if you've been here the last few weeks, I've encouraged you to skip over that word for the last two weeks, testing. Because we hear testing and we think that means we have to prove something. But that's not what that word means. The, the actual Greek word there that's been translated testing is, is a common Greek word, but it's rare in the New Testament. I think it's only used one other time. And the Greek word, you don't care about this, but I'm just going to tell you. The Greek word is dokimion. I guess if you want to check me later, you can go Google it, I promise. <laughs> and the word dokimion is a very common word because it refer, refers to the process of refining silver and gold. It's a refining term. And that's the picture James brings in when he tells us, well, we should get excited when we go through hard times. So we should understand what it looks like to refine metal, specifically gold. I'm going to assume we don't have any goldsmiths in the room. You know, not really a thing we do much anymore. But the way they refine gold is actually pretty simple. Uh, we, we, the reason they have to refine it, too, is when you, when you find gold, you can't tell how pure it is. You don't know. Because um, gold looks good on the outside. Uh, but a lot of times there's impurities in there. And so what they do is they put it in this container. And the goldsmith puts it over the hottest part of the fire and melts up the gold until the gold is liquefied. It's the only way to get it clean. He's got to liquefy it. And then the impurities that are contained within that little piece of gold will float to the top. And so the goldsmith just does this and then he, he, he removes the impurities from it, and he continues this process, I'm told, until the gold is so pure that when he looks down, he can see his reflection in the gold. That's how the goldsmith knows that he's gotten rid of the impurities through the process of dokimion, through the process of testing. And so James uses that image, that picture for us in trials because he's trying to paint a picture for us. That it's in those moments of stress and it's in those moments 
of pain. It's in those moments of struggle that somehow he performs a cleansing process to our souls. And he removes certain impurities. And he removes greed. And he removes lust. And he removes anger. And he builds our faith and he strengthens us so that at the end of the trial, at the end of the process, he sees more of his reflection when he looks at us. That's why James uses the picture. And as I said, I I, I can't tell you how this process works. I can tell you it works. I've lived it. If you've been here the last few weeks, I've been sharing about Uh, A season uh, my wife and I had uh, back in February, she had a a surgery and then we had to go back to the hospital because she was experiencing massive amounts of pain. Uh, If you were here a couple weeks ago, I talked about this. We were in the emergency room. When they took her out of the room, me and God had a little discussion and it really wasn't a discussion. I acted like a four-year-old toddler and I lost it on God. I just yelled at him and I was so mad at him. I asked him where he was, uh, what was he doing? And he began to, to speak to me. Full disclosure, that's why we're doing this entire series because of what he taught me in February. And I was like, oh, I got to teach them this. So this is what, that's what happens. God just teaches me stuff and I teach you. And so if you want to know what I've learned for the last 20 years, go back and look at our sermons. Um, yeah. Some of them you'll go, he really struggles with this. We talk about this a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Not a perfect person. Um, and so what happened the rest of that time was after that first encounter with God, it's not like it magically got better. I was still frustrated. I was still watching my wife struggle, but I just began to have a conversation with him. Be like, dude, I'm really mad at you about this. I'm mad, I'm mad, I'm mad. I wish you'd get better. I'm mad. This isn't cool. I'm mad. I'm angry. I don't know what's going on, but I was honest with him about it. We talked about it. We talked about it. We talked about it. Fast forward about two weeks later, I realized he was doing something in me that I didn't know. Um, I've shared this before. Occasionally when I'm driving, um, someone else will do something I don't care for. And I don't always respond like you would expect your pastor to respond. (laughs) And so, you know, that's a pretty normal process because, you know, there's bozos on the road and bozo going to bozo. And sometimes they just need me to tell them, right? They just need to know from me. So fast forward a couple weeks after after this this time in in the hospital, I'm driving along. When you know it, bozo. And a bozo does a bozo thing. And I did nothing. I didn't lose it. I didn't, I didn't scream. I didn't yell. You know what I actually did when it happened and nothing happened? I went, whoa. When I was enduring what I was watching with her and when I was talking with him about it, I didn't realize it. He was cleaning stuff out of me. Because here's what we all know. When we're driving in a car and Bozo's going to Bozo, it's not about them. It's about us. There's something going on inside of us. We're not mad at them. There's pain we haven't dealt with. There's forgiveness issues we're wrestling with. It's us. It's inside of us. When you snap at your kid and they didn't really do anything wrong, it's us. There's something going on inside of us. And what I discovered in that moment was it was through that pain, through that testing, that God literally began to clean out of me 
whatever was that root of bitterness or anger or jealousy or whatever it was that was causing me to react so unkindly and so unlovingly in that moment. Here's what I'm really saying. I, I wish I could explain to you how it works, but, but I'm not God. But here's what I know is true, and it's what James is desperately trying to teach us. It's this. It's that God's purpose in pain is our perfection. That's what God's doing in trials. Is he is refining us to make us look more like him. Now, I know some of you are asking, does that mean God causes the pain? No. No, 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 no. That pain is the result of sin. That pain is the result of evil. This is a picture of God's power. It's why we say all the time that he takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it to good. What a glorious God that could take a thing the enemy means to harm us and destroy us and he says, watch this. I'm gonna use it to heal them. I'm gonna use it to help them. Watch this, I'm gonna use this to break that addiction they have and they don't even know it yet. I'm gonna use this to restore that relationship and they don't even know it yet. Oh, they have no idea what I'm gonna do inside of them. See, his purpose in pain is our perfection. Now, that does not mean we'll be perfect. We will be perfect in eternity with our Heavenly Father. Until then, Jesus is working at perfecting us. It's like the beginning of the uh, the preamble to the Constitution. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a what? More perfect union. This process, trials, testing, is how God makes us more perfect. It's how he makes us more like him. And that process results in good. If I am set free from some sin, that's good. If my faith is strengthened, that's good. And here's the thing we miss sometimes about trials. That good can be all the good. I'm so afraid sometimes as pastors, we give people this thought that because God is good, we're always going to get good outcomes. That we're always going to get what we want. Guys, that's not true. And God never promises that. He does not promise a good outcome. He promises if you trust him, he will change your outlook. He will change you. He will mold you. He will shape you. He will remove the struggles. And that in and of itself is good. Oftentimes, that is all the good we get out of a trial. I want to be honest with you about that. Because we have the perspective God could be up to good. You now know what the purpose is, what the good is. It's your perfection. It's making you more like him. What you've got to decide and I've got to decide and we've got to decide, is that enough good? 
is that worth it? Because remember, we, don't only, we have more than a perspective. We have more than a purpose. There's a path we have to take to go from perspective to purpose. What is it? Well, James has already told us. He says, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. See, we have to choose to let it grow. We have to choose to move from perspective to purpose. We have to rest in God's goodness and make a choice that is incredibly difficult. Maybe one of the most difficult decisions we make as people of faith. We have to choose to let it grow. We have to choose to trust. We have to cling to the process. Here's what I'm saying. If God's purpose and pain is our perfection, and it is, that's how he refines us. We got to choose to stay in the fire. How do we do that? By understanding that our path to perfection is perseverance. And can we all be honest for a second and admit that doesn't sound fun? We don't like pain. Reasonably, it hurts. But especially in this country, in the United States, we have a significant aversion to pain. And we do everything in our power to deny it and avoid it. It's why we achieve so much. Many times we use achievement as a means of masking and covering up the pain we feel. It's how we end up addicted to things. Because we're chasing things to help mask or set us free for a moment from the pain that we feel. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying Jesus is saying don't solve your problems. If you can solve your problems, solve them. But we all know that there are painful things in our life. There are struggles we're in. And we can choose to address them head on. We can, we can acknowledge them. We can feel them. Or we can avoid them. We can deny them. We can mask them. And here's the problem. The only way to get from perspective to purpose is to persevere in the pain. See, what we want to do is when God doesn't do what we want him to do, we flee. But you let me down. You turn our back on him. And here's the thing about our God. He's gracious. You come back, he's going to welcome you back. We sing the song Prodigals. That's the story of the prodigal son who left and came back, and dad came running. There's no judgment. But if we're in pain, if we're in a struggle, and even if we see the purpose, if we don't stick on the path, you know what that means? We just had pain for no reason. The pain loses its purpose. And your heavenly father loves you too much for that. 
Which is why his invitation is, hey, 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 when things are stuck, when you're struggling, I'm telling you right now, you can have a perspective that I'm good. You can see the purpose that I'm going to do good in your life. But what I'm asking you to do is to trust me enough to stay on the path, persevere. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, who would do that? How on earth can we do that? And I've already told you the answer. Who would do that? Jesus did that. The night he was arrested, when he saw the perspective, kind of got the purpose, didn't like the path. He models for me and for you and for us how to persevere. You know what he did? He talked to his dad. And he said, hey, dad, I don't want to do this, man. I've been here 33 years. I've been leading these people for three years. Have you met these people? I don't like the path. The path is too hard. The struggle is too great. I don't know if you've noticed, I am bleeding from my forehead. I have so much anxiety right now. I can't breathe. I feel like I am being crushed. And you know what his dad did? His dad sent an angel to strengthen him. You know what his dad wants to do for us? The very same thing. You know why he doesn't? Because we don't talk to our Heavenly Father. Because we don't tell him, bro, I am mad about this. This is terrible. I don't like this. I don't want this. Why is this happening? One of the reasons we don't is because we let our enemy convince us he doesn't care. Or we let our enemy convince us we're not allowed to be honest with him. But we don't have to wonder. Jesus did it. And Jesus never sinned. So if Jesus went to his dad in uh, in anguish and in struggle and in pain and said, this is crushing me. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. I don't want to do this. If Jesus did it, we can too. And we have to. Listen to me, Wellspring. It is the only way to persevere. It's to run to, not from your heavenly father. And to bear your soul to him. To fully and completely trust him with every feeling you have. With your confusion, with your anger, with your disgust, with whatever it is. You lay it at his feet. You do not act in those feelings but you feel those feelings and you trust him with those feelings. And then we follow his example. If we really want to stick the path, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, this is what I'm experiencing. This is what I'm going through. This is what I see. Not my will, yours be done because I have perspective and I have purpose, but Jesus, you got to help me walk this path. Jesus, I need your strength. I need your wisdom. I need your clarity. I need your hope. I need it more than I've ever needed anything in my life. You know what Jesus is going to say? I know exactly how you feel. I walked it. And I'm with you. In fact, I'll never let you down. You can trust me. It's the only way to persevere. We have to be honest with God. You know who else we have to be honest with? People that love God. See, Jesus didn't just tell God, 
his dad, he told his friends, he told his, his disciples. He looks at them and says, I am overwhelmed with grief. Please pray for me. This was God asking for their help. Please pray for me. God can do it. We can't. You're really that macho? You're really that strong? You're really that tough? We both know you're not. I'm not. No one is. Can we be real honest for a second? Nobody's looking around. The reason we won't ask for help isn't because we're strong. The reason we won't ask for help is because we're scared. We're scared of what the people are going to think if we ask for help. Because who would ask for help? I'll tell you who. Jesus asked for help. In his struggle, in his trial, when he was trying to get from perspective to purpose, he needed help to walk his path. And he went to his father and he went to his friends and he said, I don't know that I can do this. Can you please help me? I am convinced that that week in the hospital, the reason God was able to heal my anger is because I gave him access to my anger. He can only heal what we choose to reveal. And remember, the purpose of the pain is perfection. Might it be possible that the pain is being extended because we've yet to walk the path, we've yet to dig deep and say, hey, Jesus, this is probably what you're looking for. I tucked it away. I tried to hide it, but here it is. Please heal this. And he will. Why? Because God is good. And he's at work for good in your life. He is able to take sin. He is able to take pain. He is able to take hurt. He is able to take loss. He is able to take misunderstandings. He is able to take grief. He is able to take all the things. And say, hey, I know this hurts. I know this is bad. But if you trust me, you're going to come out of this better than you went in. How do we know? Because we have perspective in our pain. I can look through this. Jesus, I trust you. We can find purpose in our pain. He's at work. He's refining me. But the only way to get from perspective to purpose is to walk the path. So here's the challenge and we're done. In your pain, you've probably seen the perspective in your pain after today, you probably see the purpose. How can we help you stay on the path? Because listen to me, you can't do it alone. You can't. Have you told Jesus how you feel about this pain, about this trial? Like really told him? Like been honest with him about it? Let me help you. Find somewhere this afternoon, get alone, maybe somewhere where no one else can hear you, and let him have it. Bear it all.
Tell him exactly how you feel. And wait as he responds, been there, done that. I totally understand. I'm not mad at you. I don't judge you. I get it because I felt the same way. Thank you for coming to me. Now let's walk together so we can move from perspective to purpose. And I pray one of the places Jesus leads you is back to our church so that we can surround you with people that love Jesus. That's why we say circles are better than roads. That's why groups are so important. It's because we know life is tough. And we know that they can have perspective in pain. We know we can have purpose in pain, but we know we only get there if we stay on the path. So we want to surround you with people who are either walking the path or a little ahead of you who they can say, hey, keep coming. I know what's happening. It's going to be okay. I've been there too. I've walked through this. This is what God did in me. God is good. He's with you. He's for you. Because he doesn't expect us to walk through it alone. But he does expect us to walk through it. He does expect us to trust his path. That's why his little brother said, hey, my big brother went through this. And he persevered. And he was strengthened. And he changed the world. And so James will say, brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters, in my big brother's name, the same can be done in you. Consider trials an opportunity for great joy because there's a refining process going on in your soul. And my big brother's changing you and he's removing things from you and he's going to heal things inside of you and he's going to restore relationships and he's going to set you free from addictions and he's going to continue to equip you to thrive in a world we're not created for until we get to spend eternity with my big brother. Until then, until then, don't let anybody convince you you can't be honest with God. My big brother was honest with God. The book of Psalms is nothing but David being honest with God. God, I'm mad. God, I'm mad. God, I'm mad. Okay, I'm better. Lay it at his feet. Because that pain you're carrying Walking that path, it's a burden. It's hard. It's difficult. It's tough. How do we deal with burdens? We take them to Jesus, and he gives us rest. He gives us a church who wants to walk with us. We want to be a blessing in your burden. So step towards Jesus. Step towards his people. And if you don't know anybody, come to the Blue Room. We would love to talk with you and to pray with you and give you a safe space to say what you need to say so that Jesus can do what he wants to do. He wants to move you from perspective to purpose. And that only comes when we persevere in the path. And you can't persevere alone. You don't have to. Your church is here. Ready to come alongside. Ready to support. Until Jesus is done. With the refining work he has planned for you.
Let me pray. God, we love you so much. Oh, we're so grateful for your goodness, how you take what the enemy means for evil and you turn it to good. We're unworthy. Oh, Lord Jesus, may you just reveal to us now all the good you're doing inside of us. May you give us perspective today to look back and see the trials we've walked through before, the struggles and what you did in them. And may they give us confidence today to pursue you. God, give us the power and the courage and the strength to persevere on your path as you move us from perspective to purpose. Change us. Make us more like you. So that as you look at us, Father, may you see your reflection in our lives. We love you. We thank you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.